DJ and PK, it is time to talk youth football right now with the youth center. Nick Ford, he joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Best of State Award winner Smart Rain is having an end-of-season sale on their Irrigation Smart Controller. Save 50% off each Smart Controller purchased. Offer available to all commercially property zone listeners. Visit SmartRain.net to schedule a demo today. Time to bring in Nick Ford, the Youth Center. Nick, good morning. Good morning. Nick, I say good morning because we say that by rote. It doesn't feel like that good a morning for Ute, uh, for Ute fans. Does it feel like that good a morning for you players, or you need to get back to another game pretty quick to get the uh, get the taste of that, get that out of your mouth? Uh, yeah, no, we for sure need to get back, but uh, yeah, we're uh, not not the best of mornings, and uh, it's good to be optimistic about uh, what we have going right now. So after the game the other night, Devin Lloyd said that uh, on Sunday the players are going to have a players-only meeting. I don't know if you had it, but if you did, can you describe the mood of that meeting? Um, you no, know, we did. Uh, it was an in-house thing. I don't, I don't really want to talk about, but um, you know, we just discussed the things that we needed to do to, uh, you know, do what we're capable of. Do you think the issues right now are more X's and O's, or is it a little more about just enforcing your will on the game and basically demanding victory and everything else falls in line? Um, I think everyone can get a little better at everything. I think, um, you know, mistakes are made here and there, which is unacceptable. And, um, you know, we really got to get better everywhere. But yet when they made a quarterback change, there was a spark. How do you explain that? Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, one thing, you know, noticing on film, you know, we're uh, in quite good shape. And, uh, you know, that two-minute drive, you know, you could really see us start to pull away when, you know, people started to get tired. And, you know, that was a big difference. But, um, you know, Cam's a good quarterback, so is Charlie. And, you know, I got faith in whoever is back there getting the ball. And, you know, you know whatever happens, happens. So, I mean... I'm not too sure, but uh, you know, our, you know, we just had a well-prepared two-minute, and we went out and executed that two-minute, and um, that's what we need to continue to do is continue to go out and ex- execute and build off of that. I think everybody was surprised watching that game at how many times the quarterback went to hand the ball off, and there was a defender right there. When you go back and look at the film. Numbers and guys are unblocked, or guys are missing assignments, so guys are unblocked because clearly the guys were unblocked. That's why they're getting back there so fast. Yeah, again, you know, so it's a it's a mix of things. You know, you can, I, I'm not going to point fingers at the coaches, no players. You know, we all had our part in it. Um, you know, looking at it, sometimes it would be us, sometimes it would be the coaches. You know, it is what it is, and that's that's what we need to get fixed, and that's what we address today. Um, and there's no excuse for that at all. I mean. You know, yeah, I can't sit here and complain or say, what about this or if that. Um, it's something that was addressed, and, you know, going forward, we're going to take into account. The composition of the team this year is real interesting because there's guys like yourself, a few of you, who've been around when the team has won and had big games and had success. But the majority of the team is on the younger side and haven't been through a lot of the success that the program has achieved and obviously winning the South the last couple of years, except for, you know, last year was a fluky year. But other than that, you know, you've won it twice. How much can that group, guys like yourself, who've been here 
and have experienced success at a high level take control of this situation and get the team back on the right track? Um, it's very possible, and that's why you know we called for that players' meeting. You know, it was you know a bunch of the older guys talking about it. Me, Devin, Bryant, Cam. You know, everyone who uh, is older and who's been a, around the program for a while. And, um, you know, that was a big part of that. And we're definitely taking that into account. Um, I mean, shoot, that's why I was late this morning because, you know, I'm sitting there, like, talking, doing everything extra. And, you know, I have been doing that. But, I mean, you know, obviously, we know we need to do something more. We need to uh, say something a little bit different or keep bashing the same notes because maybe this is the one time somebody's going to, you know, hear it slightly different and it clicks for them. So, I mean, you know, it's very possible. I think it just has to be something that uh, continues on and will continue on. Uh, it'll, will, it'll get turned around. You're not the O-line coach, but it feels to me like you're the assistant O-line coach. I mean, you've been there forever. You played every position. You're the center now, which is critical. You're the heartbeat right in the middle of everything. So you really can't talk to these guys and say, you need to do this, you need to do that, the problem is this, the problem is that, because you've been through it. So how much do you really get into that with your teammates on the O-line? I get into it quite a bit, but like I said, you know, I'm not, I'm not one of the point fingers at anybody. Um, you know, I have my own flaws. I definitely need to fix my snaps. Um, I think it's more um, it's uh, building a type of uh, like just nonverbal and just it's, uh, it's just an offensive line thing where you got to trust your partner and do this and do that where you got to, you know, know you're passing with one and know it's okay, know that guy's not going to make a play. And at the same time, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of things goes in the offensive line play. And I feel like we're back and forth on that, and that's what's messing us up. And, um, you know, sometimes we go in and, you know, we're having a track mentality, and then other times we're having a head-up mentality. And the reality is, you know, a lot of teams move on us because a lot of people don't want to go head-up. So I think um, it's time to just go back and fall on our basis of, you know, downhill football versus trying to, uh, you know, worry about this, worry about that. Just get your matchup and go get on. For you guys who've been around, you're used to being 3-0 and at this point in the season. It's been a long time since you weren't 3-0. and I mean, I think it was the first year in the conference, and except for last year, but you didn't have any non-conference games, so that doesn't mm-hmm. count. Other than that, you've always been three and zero. And how different does it feel now as you start conference play, basically to not be three and zero? You know, we're we're pissed off for greatness. It's not something you know you can sit here and dwell on because it will um, topple everything over. And uh, looking at it the way we're looking at it, um, you know, we know our mistakes. We know what we have to fix. We know what we have to get done. And we still have an opportunity to turn everything around. You know, there's still nine games of conference play. We're still, you know, I know the record preseason is one and three, but, I mean, we're zero and zero right now as we see it. And um, basically, that, that's, that's why I said the team is very um, optimistic right now and, you know, willing – willing right now because 
we see what we have in front of us. We understand what just happened, and we understand that we cannot continue to let that happen. So um, it's definitely a different feel. But, you know, if we sit here and um, take it the wrong way, um, you know, take that bad situation and just continue to harp on that bad situation, it's not going to end well. So we're we're looking to go one or no on the weekend. You know, we got our eyes set on Wazoo and to fix our mistakes. And, um, you know, top, let, let it continue to trickle down from there from this week. You know, I do think you're on to something with uh, the too much negativity. The scoreboard is what it is, and certainly everybody on the team knows that. But, you know, there is value, and you've felt this, I'm sure. There is value in walking on the field at the start of a game or on the court, whatever your sport is, walking on and thinking, I'm going to win this, and then walking off three hours later, having won that. Do the last couple of games shake that uh, that faith, that foundation in your teammates? Uh. No, we know we know we have capable athletes. We know we have more than capable athletes. We we understand we have mismatches everywhere, and um, you know we just have to gel together um, as an entire team. Um, and I think that's what's going to make the difference. I mean, you look in the last the last uh, fourth quarter, um, you know things started to really gel together, and everyone, you know, it was eleven people playing, not ten, not you know, nine or whatever it is. It was 11 people playing. And that's what it's going to take from here on out is 11 people playing, 11 people being on the same page. Um, and, you know, that's including the coaches, coaches being on the same page, understanding, you know, how the other teams playing the situation. and um, You know, just everybody all, all over, just understanding and being on the same page. And, uh, you know, that's what we have to look forward to. We can't let that mentality of, oh, we're going out to win and lose, roll, like continue to roll over, you know. Um, It's all about getting out there winning and performing. And, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, the scoreboard is a scoreboard. And we got to go out there and gel for a full 60 minutes, not, you know, about 15. Have you been watching the Pac-12 and in particular the South because – so far, and it's barely into it, man, it seems like it's a screwy division. And I know that most of the teams haven't played conference games. SC had the one against Stanford. But teams are up one week, down the next, and whatnot. The point being that it looks wide open. Yeah, and that's why we're you know very optimistic. I mean, you could look at more than just the Pac-12 play. You look at the play all over the country, like, the CFB is crazy right now. Like college football, like it's everybody's game right now. And, you know, that's how it is a lot of years in the Pac-12, but now it is that way nationwide. And that's why we're, you know, going into this optimistic versus, um, you know, negative and having a detrimental attitude because we understand, you know, that there's ups and downs everywhere. But what determines the final outcome will be the – next 10 week stretch those first three weeks you know for some some teams it was awesome it was amazing for other teams like us it was you know it was rough but what's going to determine everything is the next 10 weeks what are you going to do now that you have your conference uh your conference opponent next you know across the line from you and um that's what we're more focused on and we understand that 
You know, that's why I think that that mindset about the the expecting to win is so important because watching games, you guys had a little earlier game, so you probably didn't get to watch as much, but my gosh, the momentum swings inside of games. SC looked terrible, and they had a quarterback injury, and they were behind, and they outscored Washington State 28 nothing in the third quarter. And Oklahoma had Nebraska until they didn't, and then they were hanging on at the end. And Fresno and UCLA, that game, you could get seasick watching the lead changes in that game and in the Utah State Air Force game. So I'm just curious, because there are so many college games like that, if you guys have that feeling, because you got to be resilient inside a game, because it's not going to go right for three straight hours. Stuff's going to go wrong. Yeah. yeah. Joined right now by Nick Ford, Ute Center. Trying to bounce back after a, a couple of losses in the conference opener with Washington State. You got a twelve thirty game. You ready for some daytime football, Nick? You ready to get out from underneath the lights and all the waiting? <laughs> yeah, that'd be pretty cool. You know, um, it's always awesome being able to wake up and get ready to go and get out there. And uh, versus waking up and sitting at the hotel all day, um, it'll be you know it'll be good. Um, like I said, the team's very optimistic. Got a good early kick. Um, can't wait to see everyone come out to the stadium and, uh, you know, get this entire show turned around. You know, um, the team is going to be electric. I know the atmosphere is going to be electric. And, uh, yeah, no, I'm excited for uh, this Saturday. So, Nick, what would be a trip home without feeling an earthquake? It's just like old regular times, right? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was pretty funny. I, we were all sitting there eating dinner and then everything started shaking and I'm like, what's going on? I was like, it's an earthquake. They're like, what? I was like, yeah, y'all feel it? <laughs> yeah, what the hell? And then a bunch of the boys were like, yeah, because I, I, this was the first time in California. They're like, yeah, I can't do LA. Like, this, this is crazy. Like, I can't be doing this. I'm like, man, it's fine. <laughs> I'm like, no, the buildings out here are built for this. Like, I'm not worried about the building out here. Yeah, I can recall the first time I moved. I moved to, from Arizona to Pedro, and I had an apartment at uh, on Western Avenue and, and First Street there up up top. Okay. And uh, so it was six thirty in the morning on a Sunday, and I'm with my wife, and we're we're in our first year of marriage. And the bed starts shaking, it's like six, as I say, six thirty. And she says, mm-hmm. "Stop shaking the bed. It's too early. What are you doing?" I said, "I'm not shaking the bed. Then why is it bouncing?" I said, "We're having an earthquake." I said, "Look at it. we had a plant that was hanging from the ceiling." I said, "Look at that, and it's swaying back and forth." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, the memories always good one. My uh, my first one as a kid was that we had a big earthquake. It was probably like a five or a six, and. Um, so me and my siblings start freaking out. There's an earthquake. My mom's yelling, there's an earthquake, and we're running to go out front. And my dad's just sitting there on the couch, swaying, eating food, watching Monday Night Football. He's like, <laughs> you guys relax. <laughs> that just always stuck with me. The, like, you know, it's not you know, it's not a big deal. When we had the earthquake out here, though, I kind of got nervous because I live on the sixth floor of an apartment complex, and I was like, yeah, I don't know if these buildings are up to coast. Oh, yeah, 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 true, good point. So I left, but uh, when I'm back home, it kind of doesn't bother me as much. You know, if it's a four-something, it really isn't that big a deal. You're right, stuff is built for it. Six or seven, that'll get people's attention. But a four, yeah, that's just sure. another day in the life. Yeah, no, that's a, definitely a spin on your day. <laughs> All right, Nick, well, we appreciate you checking in. Good luck this week, and we will talk to you again next week after the Washington State game.
Yes, sir. After, after we get this win, man. Nick Ford, Youth Center, joining us right here on 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. PK, you're from Jersey. You oversell it. You do it for comedy's sake and because it makes people uncomfortable. But I think this week it's really important. Competence, mindset, toughness, powering through things when they go wrong. You know, when you're winning and you expect to win, I think that comes a little more easily and a little more naturally. Not that it's automatic. You still got to make stuff happen. But when stuff starts going wrong and teams start thinking, here we go again, what's going to go wrong? That's the mindset of a losing team. And we joke about soft Southern California mentality and Jersey toughness and all that, but you see it in sports so often. SC had a winning mentality. Washington State did not. Washington State's ahead, but something starts going wrong, and Washington State crumbles. And SC pushed through it. They had a chance. They're down a couple scores. Their quarterback, their star quarterback gets hurt. Man, they just pushed through it. And in the middle of the third quarter, if you turn the game on, you wouldn't have known the roller coaster that was ridden early in that game. No, that's all true. But I can argue that Utah has had more talent than the two teams that they lost yep. to. Now, you can also argue that they don't. But internally, they've got to believe that they're capable. It'll be interesting to see on this players only because Devin Lloyd comes out Saturday night. Yep. And it wasn't very long between the end of the game and 15 minutes, maybe 20 tops. So in that time, they had already decided that when we get back home and get back to school on Sunday, we're going to get everybody together, players only, and go from there. It just It's an interesting dynamic, the composition of their roster, because two years ago, uh, when they went 8-1, and one, they had about 25 leaders. There's so many guys that could point to it. Here they don't because it's a divide between some guys who are left over and then because all those guys went to the NFL, replaced by a bunch of new guys. Mm -hmm. And then I think we're finding that last year really didn't necessarily provide the experience that maybe we thought it would, and their progression has been stalled a little bit. And then they lose a player of the talent, the caliber of a Ty Jordan is a significant blow in what you intended for him to be back. And it's just it's a significant blow in multiple ways, obviously on the field, but then the emotional side. Because when you're younger, you don't really think about death that much. And especially you don't think about death among your peers. And when it happens, it's just a big-time shock, you know, and may, is there something there? But at the same time here now, they need a conference game more more than ever. They need to get going. They need to be 1-0 and because if you're 1-0, and you know, they're not going to make the playoff, but they probably weren't going to make the playoff anyway. You can separate that, and so you can have two distinct separate seasons, basically. You can only play it up so much, though, if you don't get it done. Because every every team that has lost a game or two in non-conference, well, everything starts zero zero. Right, that's so, going to be the message. So that's across the country. That only lasts for one week, and then you're either one and zero or zero and one. Yeah, I don't know that I've ever felt more urgency on this team, and I probably have, but I'm forgetting it. Uh, but right now, the urgency. Oh, I can give is, you two examples. Great. I can give you two I know examples. You can because you're a nerd. You right. can do that. I can't. It's a gift. 
I live. I live now. I live as you, you know. But, I don't. I don't dwell on the mistakes of the past. But <laughs> total BS. Total and complete BS. He just got it. Really? <laughs> Sorry, it took me a minute. So you. This is one of the all time. This is one of your favorite quotes because it goes to your Jersey mental toughness leadership thing. Bergstrom, we're not letting this season slip away. They had a four-game losing streak. That's true. And, and Bergstrom, so Bergstrom one, I think, was a significant leader on that team first that first year, year. in the Pac-12 and a yeah. four-game losing streak when they'd lost, like, seven games in three and a half seasons mm-hmm. in the Mountain West. None of these guys had ever had a month of losing. And he's like, enough with the mindset, enough with letting the season slip away. It turns around here. They beat four teams. And if you go back and look, four teams that didn't have very good seasons. And then they messed up the Colorado game in the finale and won the bowl game. But they got to eight and five. And that was a whole lot better For your first than the four and eight or five and seven that it looked like they were on their way to. And another example, and you'll remember this when I bring it up, is Kyle's third year. They're one and three. They smoke yeah. UCLA at home. You think they're on their way. And they go to UNLV and they get shut out. Like, well, who are these guys? Figure it out. Well, they did. They went 8-1 and one the rest of the season. And it set the stage for the Sugar Bowl the next year. It's just that those teams, I don't think, had heaped the responsibility and expectation that this team has. I see where you're going so with that. It Absolutely. it was easier. There was less pressure. Because, particularly as they transitioned into the conference. Yep. I don't think people expected much. Maybe they did. But if you had they any did. history, <laughs> you did. thought it was going to be. You, you I, I felt did. it was going to be a struggle. So they weren't picked to go to the Rose Bowl. Some people, some media around here picked him to go to the Rose Bowl this year. Nobody picked him to go to the Rose Bowl in 2011. So it was easier because there was less expectation. There's a whole heck of a lot of expectation. And then Stanford loses. I mean, Stanford beats SC. Yeah. And like, why is this wide open? open. Yeah. Man, you're going to roll. You're the you're the clear established prohibitive favorite. And then they go 0 2 since that game. So that those teams exceeded expectation, which is great. But there's nothing worse than underachieving. Underachieving is the most torturous, painful thing to endure if you underachieve. If you overachieve, it's great. If you achieve what you're supposed to, it's good too. But underachieving is a big-time burden that is far greater than exceeding expectations. And right now, this team is viewed as underachieving. So the burden is much stronger than those examples that you bring up. Not as much. The other flaw with my examples, to argue with myself, and I know you love it when I do that. Well, that's why you can't lose. That was a long time ago, and there are a yep. few people around. Kyle, obviously. Andy was actually Andy Luggett was actually there the first time. He wasn't there the the second example. Norm Chow was there. Andy had gone off to other jobs. Morgan Scally was in the program. So there's a, a very small handful of people have that experience. Yeah. For the Nick Fords of the world, what they know is nine plus wins a season. Right. On average. That's what they know. And they could still get to a nine win season this year, but they gotta get going and get a lot better. And none of there's any really even no point about arguing about, you know, Eight and one, or Jeez, if they four win, and five, they or win nine games, they one win and the eight. South. It's the it's 
Yeah, probably. But right now, none of that matters. All of that is just blah, 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 blah. I agree. Right now, I agree. beat Washington State, yeah. and then you have a bye week to get ready for SC. I don't even know the schedule after that. I don't care. Beat Wazoo. Agreed. you got to beat Wazoo. And then we'll see where it goes from there. Yep. All right, DJ and PK, the Utes are struggling. The Cougars are rolling. And then there's the Aggies. Not just that they're 3-0 and with a new coach, a new staff, a gazillion new transfers, but these guys, when they get down in the middle of the game, they definitely still believe. And we will talk with Blake Anderson about that next. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. We knew that this was coming when the Big 12 did what they did and took three AAC teams and put them into the Big 12. Those three have all accepted that invite. They're leaving. Now Commissioner Mike Oresco and Conference are headhunting the Mountain West Conference. There have been four teams announced as most interest. Air Force, Boise State, Colorado State, and San Diego State. The Mountain West is without a doubt a better conference than the AAC. But AAC Commissioner Mike Oresco is extremely aggressive. He's not going down without a fight. And if you're Craig Thompson and you're not being aggressive and you're not trying to find a way to put away the AAC, they're going to do the same to you. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're joined now by Aggie head coach Blake Anderson. He's on the Smart Rain guest line. Best of State Award winner Smart Rain is having an end-of-season sale on their irrigation smart controller. Save 50% off each smart controller you buy. Offer available to all commercial property zone listeners. Visit SmartRain.net to schedule a demo today. Coach, good morning. Good morning. Coach, I can just imagine your team meetings. You know, you were 2-0, and and you were happy the guys fought back, but you're telling them, now let's, let's get off to fast start, get out in front, control the game, and they just toy with you and fall behind by double digits three times and rally every time. You've coached a long time, but there's no way you've been through something like these first three games. Am I right? No, no, you're right. We, I mean, we've come from behind before, but, but to stack three in a row, double digits, um, you know, comebacks have not been a part of that in my career. Love, love the fact that our guys are, you know, just resilient and continue to fight and, and don't panic. You know, I, I think if you you watch just the faces and the attitudes on the sideline, it, it just man, it makes you feel good about what we're building because at some point you, you're um, when it continues to happen on a weekly basis, you would think they're going to crack, they're going to get frustrated. You know, guys are going to start. Uh, you know, kind of getting outside of what we what we ask, and they just haven't. I mean, they've been great. They've been phenomenal and continue to battle and kind of believe in what we're doing, and we're able to scrap and claw our way back into it. It is stressful as all can be, but <laughs> but, uh, but man, to be three and zero, considering who we played and coming out of you know a season that they came out of last year, I could not be prouder of the group of guys that we're coaching. Yeah, you speak of that season last year, and as I'm watching that Air Force game, and thanks for the way you guys have been playing because it's been wildly entertaining, and I just want to be entertained, and you guys have done that, and I appreciate that. <laughs> but as I'm watching the game, you know, I, I can't ask you to speak on last year because obviously you weren't there, but we were here, and we've been watching Aggie football for a good long time, and, there, and the spirit and the competitive toughness and all that clearly was missing, and that's nothing I want you to address. Rather, I want you to address... 
the spirit and competitive toughness this year? Because it seems to me, you take a kid like Bowling, just catching some early passes over the middle and knowing he might get clobbered, but just the toughness and the desire to compete. Speak on that. Yeah, we, that's what we focused on since day one of getting here. You know, you you really don't know the talent of the of the league. Honestly, don't know how our talent compares to other teams and, and people that we're going to play. So we just focused internally on trying to prepare the, you know, just the mentally and physically toughest team we could. Prepare to play sixty minutes, which which clearly we've been able to show the ability to play fast for sixty minutes and and just. We, we focus on being one degree better every day, and we do that with three things in mind. Selfless, attitude, team first. We talk about toughness, both mental and physical of that, and then accountability, doing your job, doing your job the best you can. And We've kept it very, very simple. We have just poured into these guys on and off the field to build relationships. The guys that we brought in that were new, the guys that were here before, and just said, man, we can, you know, sky's the we can be whoever we want to be. Uh, they've bought in. They've done a phenomenal job. And I think what you're seeing on the field is a group of guys that are excited about how we're doing things on a daily basis that want to prove that, that, you know, that last year was not who they were, that it, there's a lot of factors involved, and just are hungry to go out and, and play together every week. And that's guys that were here before and guys that came in and chose this place in, you know, in, in January or chose this place in the summer. Uh, they've gelled really well. It has become a very tight knit group of guys, and it all—I think it all plays to the culture that we've been creating since January, both in football and in the off season with Paul Jackson and the strength staff. And it's given us a chance to be competitive every week. I'm—I'm I'm really, I love the environment that we have every day, and it's—it's it's a great foundation to build on for the future. But we're seeing the benefits of that late in the game when it gets crazy, and when it gets tight, they're still able to play together and pull together and do what we ask. And, you know, we're finding a way to win games, and, and I'm, I'm glad you're in, in, uh, entertained because I'm stressed out. So, sure, I just sit back and watch big plays left and right. Yeah, yeah. Now, I mean, I do have – there is a level of confidence that we, we have guys that can and will make those plays. But, but knowing they can and seeing them do it, I mean, the, the strip fumble, the interception coming out of the end zone, the big catch over the middle – whether it be DT or Brandon Bowling or, or Griff or, or the big run. I mean, you, you you see those things in practice and you know they're capable. But it always comes down to being able to be calm enough, prepared enough, and ready when that opportunity presents itself in a game when it's a one-score or two-score game late. And, and that's, the, that's where you really get excited is when those guys are able to do that when it matters most. And we've come up with those plays three weeks in a row against – really good opponents to, to get wins that um, a lot of cases, you know, you get close, you just don't get it done. Blake Anderson, Utah State coach, joining us after the win over Air Force. I, you know, PK and I have been doing the show for almost 20 years now, and as you can imagine, we have had a lot of smoke blown our way, in, you know, various sound bites, interviews, quotes. And to a certain degree, you get it because people have to say stuff. But you said something a couple weeks ago, and I wondered, is he blowing smoke or is there something really <laughs> weird going on? And you were talking about how you knew you wanted Bonner to start, but you couldn't tell Peasley why he wasn't starting. And I'm like, well, is he just soft-selling it so the backup doesn't feel bad? But that Air Force game, I saw your dilemma on full display. You get pretty good quarterback play from two different guys, and Bonner takes a nasty hit, and Peasley just comes in and just starts throwing touchdown passes. No wonder you struggled with what to tell him. 
Yeah, well, the other thing that, that you know, the public can't see is, is the work that Peasley gave the program from January till fall camp. You know, really, Bonner with the injury with the broken foot missed the entire spring, the entire summer. Now, I've got five years of history with him, so I knew what to expect. But you cannot just discount the leadership and the work ethic that we got out of Peasley. So there's – you know, you've got to honor that. You've got to respect that. You've got to show the team that you appreciate it. So that, that puts you in a position where he's got to get every opportunity to be the starter. And then, as you saw, he can do some amazing things with his athletic ability out in space. And I don't really want to play two quarterbacks all the time. I've seen where that can be. We've been successful that way uh, at times, but, but I think there's something to giving a guy a chance to get some rhythm. But keeping him involved and giving him a role played off big the other night because when Bonner did go down and he got to a point where he could not turn on the ball and throw it, Peasley was ready. He had every – I think he'd done everything all week to prepare as a starter, and we went out and did not miss a beat. He made some huge plays down the stretch to help us win that game. Yeah, you're right. You can see we've got two quarterbacks with their own kind of unique skill set that make them good at, at, at certain things. And they're they're difficult to defend in, in different ways, and, and we we've had to use both of them to to win three games. Air Force offensively, obviously they run the triple option. They did that very well. Ran for whatever it was, four hundred some yards. I don't I don't have the stats in front of me, but a bunch. Yeah, a bunch. obviously, but. I was surprised that Daniels is setting personal records in the first half, throwing the ball, and it's kind of a weird question, but how much of their ability to run the ball effectively contributed to that passing success that they had, and how much concern do you have going forward? Well, I thought we got way, way focused on the triple and and really did some very uncharacteristic things in the throw game. Uh, We got better later in the game when we just kind of settled down and just said, hey, we're going to play a guy man-to-man and just cover the dude. You're so caught up in what's happening in the backfield. We absolutely lost our mind in the back end and, and turned guys completely loose. We got them off schedule about seven times in the first half and did not respond well in any. Second and 17, third and 11s, third and 10s, places that you want to get Air Force. But we were so, I think, caught up on on assignment triple option assignment football that we did very very uh you know i don't know undisciplined things in coverage areas and 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 let them off the hook every single time we finally made some plays later in the game we won the fourth quarter on both sides offensively and defensively but it it really just kind of came down to simplifying and getting down just playing normal football and kind of getting the whole triple option thing out of your head to some degree uh, they did a phenomenal job, I thought, schematically at getting to the to the counters off of each thing. The, you know, you take one thing away, they go right back to something else and create another problem and, and a lot of yards. But at the end of the day, we, we we found a way. You know, they found a way to make a stop when we had to late, create a turnover late when we had to to, to seal it. So now you get the Broncos. The if not the big dog in the Mountain West, certainly the road to the title has gone through. you got to beat them if you want to win it. They don't win it all the time, but they win a lot of them. And it's a 10 a.m. game. How much do you change things for this uh, early kickoff? How much do you have to change things going from Air Force's offense to Boise State? It seems like everything's new this week. Yeah, you know, it's clearly the offenses will not look the same. You know, I think we're, we have at least seen – 
you know, with North Dakota, you know, we, we saw a lot of the bells and whistles of motions and tight ends and different sets. With with Washington State, we saw spread ball, so I think you get a little bit of both of those with them. Um, 10 a.m., we practice in the morning all fall camp. You know, our guys really are, are used to getting up and rolling. I, I love the idea of getting up, eating breakfast, and then, and then teeing it up. You don't have a whole lot of time to think about it. You just get out there and go. So, the challenge will be all the bells and whistles that we'll see from their offense, and then they've got they've got a defense that's built you know built really really well. It'll be a huge challenge for for our offense. We've they will be the best defense that we've seen uh, hands down to this point uh, out of all, and we've and I feel like we've seen some good folks. So uh, the challenge is going to come in being able to execute against good people. When new coaches come in, they all have their philosophies and the way they speak, the way they act, and all that stuff, and. How important is it now? You've been saying stuff. You preach to the players. Everybody's got their own style. But now as you, as a new coach with these kids, now you have some success to back it up. So it's not empty words that you're preaching. How important is that? Because I've found in covering college football for many, many years, players don't believe in a coach. It's almost to the point where the talent's irrelevant. Yeah, you got to get them to buy in. And then it does help. That, that you see some success with what we're doing. You know, we we felt like going into the season that these kids had done everything we'd asked to do, and we've been preaching play hard for 60 minutes. Our conditioning is going to, you know, going to be uh, huge for us in the, in the fourth quarter. If you just continue to battle and chase the ball and play with great effort, man, good things are going to happen. But if you go out and you're sitting here 0-3 or 1-2 or and 2, with that philosophy, it's a lot harder to swallow. But what you're seeing – for us is, man, they're starting to see the things that we've talked about and preached every day and challenged them with starting to see those things actually pay big dividends in the game. And and that's when the light bulb goes off and, and guys like, hey, man, let's give a little bit more. This this is this has got a chance to be special. So, um, I mean, we're I think we're sitting in, in, in a great spot to, to be year one foundationally just trying to build this thing for the future. And, and we're having a lot of fun. Watch the guys start to figure this thing out but they uh they, they've done the hard work I and mean, they they have they have sacrificed and bought in uh but it, it does help that we've seen some early success because i think it kind of fuels the fire a little bit saturday 10 a.m we are looking forward to a coach big game early in the year we're intrigued by it we'll uh talk to you again next week thanks guys appreciate it Blake Anderson, Utah State football coach, join us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. When you have two quarterbacks, you have none. Strike that cliche in the case of the Aggies. They got two quarterbacks. Yeah, I never bought that. If you have two mediocre quarterbacks, you know what you have? Two mediocre quarterbacks? Yes. (laughs) They have two good quarterbacks. Different, but they both made some big plays. Uh, It's never been more important to have quality quarterbacks because injuries happen, so... Obviously, it happened to Bonner. I thought they should have flagged the kid. It seemed like it was way late and blindside and all that stuff. Uh, but nevertheless, Peasley's got some experience here. This is, this is this is the biggest game they've had in years, man. Biggest game since they've been in the Mountain West? Well, they've been in a Mountain West Conference title game, so I can't say that. But it's a big game. It is a big Who game. Who did they play in a Mountain West title game? Was it Fresno? Fresno. Yeah, they played Fresno at yeah, Fresno. And that, and that supersedes it for sure because they could have won that thing. But it's still a big game. Under this new coach and what he's trying to build yep. here, you go 2-0 and with uh, victories over these two teams and obviously Boise, man, that's just gigantic. Okay, biggest game since Blake Anderson has been in Logan. Can't argue with that. You got me. <laughs>
You called it. That's a bold take. I'll take Kinahan strikes again. That's played before noon on a Saturday. (laughs) You've narrowed it down. In September. Who are you, Todd Graham? (laughs) Nice. Nice. I like that. Against a team, this home team is on a blue turf. P.S. I don't know if you guys watched that Hawaii-San Jose game. He was full of cliches. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I miss him. I, I missed I missed Hawaii and San Jose. I was I was gassed by by UCLA and Fresno State. They wiped me out. Well, I know what was going on at your house at that time of night. What was that? You were sleeping. Nope. Oh, yeah, yeah, nice! Way to taunt us! Good job by you! Sweet! Man, I love it when you're cocky like that! Wow! The way you just said that? Nope. <laughs> yeah! Fresno State <laughs> didn't he do and that? UCLA That's was, exactly what he did, didn't he? Was followed by San Diego State and Utah oh, Tate. Yeah, yeah, whatever you call it. <laughs> DJ PK, your feedback is coming up next. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Not sure if you guys heard about the family meeting, but mom and dad have decreed that Utah, things are right again. Back to the hand-me-downs in the small room at the end of the hall. Welcome back, little brother. <laughs> Top of your Pac-12. <laughs> Football Friday presented by Mountain Supply, where the pros go for plumbing, landscaping, irrigation, agricultural irrigation, HVAC parts, tools, and safety equipment. Find a location near you at mountainland.com. Who was that? That was Lane, and the second one actually didn't play. He sent two in. Let me play the second one. Hang on for just a second here. Lane, that was hilarious. You sold it very well. That was good. (laughs) The little room at the end of the hall. Here's the second one. Here you go. (laughs) So I guess about 10 years ago, there was a Harry Potter convention at the U of U. They no longer say BYU, but the team down south. Well, welcome back, little brother. The team down south is 3-0 and and on top of your Pac-12. <laughs> <laughs> I love the kind of cowboy hick laugh. <laughs> Been waiting a long time. Back to the future. <laughs> People tweeting at us Brett McMurphy's updated bowl projections. Is Which there anything, meaningless, but what anything the more useless than <laughs> September bowl predictions? <laughs> Try preseason bowl predictions. Yeah, you got me there. Yeah, just the same, practically. But Fiesta, BYU versus Cincinnati. Peach, Fiesta. Penn State versus Clemson. I'd take a trip home for Christmas. Rose, Iowa versus UCLA. Okay, Fiesta, BYU and Fiesta. Like, oh, they could build that. Future Big 12 opponents? That yes. rocks my world. Storylines <laughs> write themselves. Yeah. They really do. That's what Bulls need to do, though. They need to find the storylines. Not just these random teams playing for what reason? Find the storylines. Give it a little extra sizzle. The Bulls need it. There's too many players checking out. The playoffs cast a long shadow over all the other bowl games. You need the sizzle. Oh yeah, and you're freaking guaranteed to sell out. Those oh yeah, the Fiesta Mormons be, would come out behind cactus down there. The Fiesta, the Fiesta <laughs> knows we're selling tickets. Oh, yeah. We're packed. <laughs> they would they would flock. Yeah, absolutely. We saw it 15, 16 years ago with the Utes. Phenomenal signs. Uh, watching up at Sun Devil Stadium and watching all that red 
flow into the stadium like that. I can remember it. I can remember Chris Hill just beaming as he should have been. It was just absolutely awesome. And to have Blue, in that case, play in the Fiesta Bowl uh, would be absolutely incredible. And play a future Big 12 opponent. Bowlesby would be there. He'd be oh, you know, he rolling be around he'd, like a pig in he'd, mud. He'd be there early. <laughs> Christmas in Tempe for the commish. Yeah. I'll be there, which is the most important uh, person to attend the game. Meanwhile, road wins, home <laughs> losses, tweets this in. The Utes are 3-6 and six in the last nine games against FBS teams. Records of the team they've beaten, 7-9. and nine. Yeah, that's why I didn't get into the records last year so much with with BYU because I'm like, well, Utah won a division and was ranked sixth in a playoff or seventh or what? Who they beat? And you can you can take that and just go crazy on that stuff. Uh, so beat, just win and let everybody else debate. Meanwhile, you win, and then let the the people discuss whatever they want to discuss. And Utah, I mean that those are the teams on their schedule. So what are they supposed to do? Just win, baby. Yeah. Everyone else can explain it away. Yeah, yeah, if, if yeah. If you win, right. you walk off the field feeling good. And it'll lead to a bigger game down the road. Yeah, yeah. All right, we're all done. Hans and Scotty are coming up next. And Hans will explain more about what has gone so wrong with Utah's offensive line. Because until that gets fixed... It's going to be an uphill battle. Oh, yeah, he can speak to it very much so. DJ and PK, it's 97.5, 1280 The Zone.